Hobbit. What about Hobbit? Where do you stand on Hobbit? I just want to ask. I wish I was quick. one. He wish. No, no, no. The movies. Oh, the Hobbit the movies. Hobbit. <laughs> <laughs> I love the way they live. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Lancelot's Roundtable. I've been thinking a lot recently about the outdoors, enjoying the outdoors, doing different things. We have a big garden at our house. It's not as big as it used to be. Um, but man, this year we really enjoyed going out and working in it. I never really did that growing up, but I've really enjoyed it now that the kids are older. Just the idea of like planting and getting your own stuff, harvesting your own stuff. There's just something, something primitive, something, something just connects you to nature in a really unique way. A couple years ago, I got into some YouTube channels, um, that were about, catch, clean, and cook. And the idea is these people that just basically go out and catch wildlife, fish, or, you know, just land animals, uh, they catch them, they clean them, and then they cook them. And I really got intrigued by the whole idea of connecting in nature that way. So on today's podcast, I have uh, my second guest. This is our second recording podcast. And I asked uh, an old co-worker of mine to come on because uh, this man is a legend, as it were, <laughs> of uh, going out and, uh, and, and like hunting, which uh, it's so it's interesting because it's almost like you're nervous to talk about hunting or you're nervous to bring up hunting because just in our culture, there's obviously a stigma. I mean, there's so many vegetarians. Maybe it's just where we live in Columbus, Ohio, but um, it's not necessarily a popular topic, but the more I've been learning about hunting, the more interested I've been getting the last few years. So, Michael, welcome to Lancelot's Roundtable. Thank you. That was quite uh, a compliment, calling me a legend. I uh, appreciate that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean you're false. building the legend, right? <laughs> it's false. <Yeah>. Well, <laughs> you're building just, the legend. I like that. Yeah. I uh, I don't do well with flattery, but I appreciate that. And, mm-hmm. you know, with uh, with what you said... And I'm going to keep notes because I, I like everything you say, you know. That's yeah. my plug. Um, it says something that reminded me of Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. When uh, uh, talking about, like, being in nature and having the garden, it reminds me of the beginning. Yeah. Or, like, good tilled earth. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. That gets me every time. Yeah. Every single time. Well, let's, let's talk about gardening. Let's okay. start off yeah. there. Let's, let's start go. off with gardening. So you guys have a garden. Yes. We have about three or four raised beds. Okay. It. It goes up because I can't um, fully keep track of what my wife does. She just says, <laughs> do this, and I do it. Um, yep. She, uh, what I've noticed in our dynamic of gardening is my wife, uh, she's, she's the reader in a sense of like what, what's going to be. She plans out what's going to be planted, and uh, I do all the grunt work. Yep. It doesn't mean I don't know anything. She knows more than I do. Like most women, they, they know more than their husband. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm proud of that. Um, did she grow up gardening? Is it a passion? Neither one of us uh, really like gardened. She she had a garden when she was like seventeen. Okay, uh, in like a mulch bed at her parents. My parents had a humongous garden. Yeah, uh, but I was like maybe like ten, eleven when they stopped doing it. Okay, so we had that 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 respect and love for nature, and it yes. didn't like come to a head until we like got married. Yes, the first thing we did was got a uh, community garden plot in our apartment oh that was the bomb we i mean they they spoiled us 
in the sense because I didn't know anything about dirt composition right. or, or like tilling or like I mean, overall quality of dirt. Yes. So when we moved into our house uh, and started our own, oh, we couldn't do anything. We, we couldn't even get an apple to grow. Yeah. And peppers, I mean, peppers I feel like are pretty basic. And yeah. a tomato, nothing. That's a good starter. Yeah, I'd say so. So we, we hit our stride in our current house where we bought a uh, like a $10 tiller at a garage sale. Awesome. So it was amazing. Mm-hmm. And I'm um, all about bargains. So we started like composting. Composting's huge. I, I was listening to podcasts about that. Yeah. Like the one part nitrogen, one part uh, carbon. Is that so, the name of the podcast? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like from some university. I just like just did a random search for like, like composting. Got it. Okay. And uh, some professor was talking about it. I was like, all right. This is simple enough for me to understand. I'm not a yeah. smart guy, yeah. I don't think. And uh, uh, ever since then, it's it's exploded. Because one year we had, like, bupkis. Right. Like, like, in this one bed that I tilled, and this year it's, like... Exploding I, at the seams? Yeah, it's a lot of weed whacking is what I found out to be. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have the weeds under control, you feel like? That uh, was a big issue for us was keeping the weeds under control. Yeah, I, uh, I found out if I keep my wife... Uh, free of children, yes. she can pull lots of weeds. There it is. And I, I, a part of me feels emasculated. Yeah, You know, sure. just like she's out there pulling weeds, but she truly, like, she loves it. She likes getting yeah. out there, like, checking on stuff. Where my expertise comes in is where I go and dispose of the green tomato worms, those hornworms. Mm-hmm. You ever seen those? No. They Have are they're about the size of, like, your... Like like three inches, okay. Like your long as your finger, and they, I think they 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 do glow in the dark. You can get a black light, and you can see them. No they're, way. they're reflective. So what I do, I just go pitch them. Yeah, and I mean, my other duties include shooting chipmunks. Mm-hmm. Like you're talking about the stigma of hunting. Okay, well <laughs> let me tell you something. I need to get some expertise because we have a chipmunk problem back here. Sure. There's like two holes over here, and they've been digging underneath the patio back here, and the bricks are like sinking in. It's a super annoying. They're and one of them is like really little. So I know that like they had, there's more than one now. Well, God bless them. Those little prolific. Little punks. Duo. I, it's not Chip and Dale, folks. No. They are some of the most destructive little things. They will go around your foundation. They eat, they take the first bite out of my strawberries in spring. Well, maybe that and was one issue with our strawberries then. Yeah. People who are like, oh, they're so cute. And I'm like, I kill them indiscriminately. Yeah. And I, there is no. Mercy. So, BB guns. Yeah. One, to speak more recently, and I can show you a picture later. Yeah. Uh, one got in my garage and hid in my deep freezer where I keep all my extra food stuffs. Oh, my gosh. So, there's, there's this little panel in the back. Right. And they kind of like, it's warm. Yeah. So, I was like, I was getting my hunting stuff ready for the next day. And I hear the scurrying. Yeah. I was like, what is in here? I turn around, this chipmunk is trying to like outfox me, like going really slow. And he notices when I notice him. And then... He takes off. It feels like he's going in a circle around my garage. Mm-hmm. And then I wait until he gets a little tired out, and I just zip him with a BB gun. Boom. Oh, it's just it's over. It, it's, I mean, it, unfortunately, it took a couple shots, but yeah, they're hard to hit. Yeah, they are. They're really little. They're really tiny, and they're very quickly. Yes. Uh, quickly. They're very quick. I like quickly. Quickly. We, we can go with that. But I, I, would, I would recommend a, a BB gun. Okay. Or a, I mean, they don't even go for mousetraps. No, yeah, we, they like we've had a couple seeds. of those. We've made an attempt with a couple different mouse traps. Never caught anything. Or you use your bow. Yeah, my bow. Yeah, well, it's funny because I don't think you knew this, but my dad 
um, he's like in a season of like getting rid of stuff. So we grew up with two, my bro- my two brothers and I, we had two bows, um, a smaller one that tiny Lance was able to use. And then a bigger one that I couldn't use until I got older, but it's by no means like they're both child's bows, but I have them now because my dad gave them to me. So they're down in the basement. So I'm really excited to get, uh, are they, are they recurve or are they compound? Um, so one with the pulleys, that's a com- it's definitely not a compound, like, big for hunting or anything. It's just a child's first, like, bow. Okay. So I it's got that, the pulleys. Oh, I mean, so if it has pulleys, that's like a miniature compound, though. Miniature compound, yeah. okay. Recurve is where it just curves at the ends. Yeah, my dad had a, he had, like, a tall five-foot one. None of us could, none of us could bend it. I don't even think I could now, to be honest. I have 50-pound draw. At least, to, yeah. Because to hunt in Ohio, you need 40 pounds. So, I mean... I mean, because you're feeling 100% of that draw. Right. My compound is 70. Uh-huh. That's just because I I really wanted to kill the animal. And yeah. I'll, we'll talk about hunting. Oh, we're talking that, about hunting. that later. <laughs> Let's just get into it. So. Let's just make a switch into hunting. So when did you first get into hunting? So I didn't grow up hunting. My, Same. My, yeah. Uh, my, my old man, he, um, he worked thirds. He was a mechanic and uh, really didn't have, like, the energy with all those kids and taking us out, yeah. um, which is fine, you know? Yeah. So it wasn't until I was being mentored in my twenties, my early twenties, um, guy named Jeff Hansel was like, Hey, I'm, I, I like to hunt. I was like, I've always wanted to learn. Yeah. I got my hunter's education when I was 18 and I've never been out. I know that my, you said you did hunter's education. Yes. So is that the, like the class? Cause I was reading something about that where you have to go out and like do a hunter safety that is correct. Something or other. So this is what that was. Yeah. In order for you to get your license to hunt, which is, you know, something you get every year for a hunter, you have to go through hunter's education. You, now it's online. But back in the day, we went to a sports authority in the back room, <laughs> and sat in a room for like, it just felt like hours. Yeah. It was, it was fun. But went down to Laurelville. That's where his family owned property. And uh, I I didn't want to shoot anything. Yeah. I, I was so, you know, it's... It, it's the brevity of taking something's life. Yes. You know, it's, it, it I didn't know how I take it. Like, yeah. I would have, you know, it always changes somebody, you know? Yep. And, um, it was getting close to the end. And this was already the day before when I was like stuck in like blistering, like 40 mile an hour, like wind. Like I didn't know your face could get chapped, but I still kept pushing oh, yeah. through to the oh, next yeah. hunt. What and month was this? It was December. So you were doing a December hunt? Yeah. Shotgun. How early? In the uh, day. In the day? Yeah. Was it evening or morning? Uh, we hunted all day from sunup till sundown. Just deer or? Just whitetail, yeah. Whitetail, okay. Yeah. You can hunt turkey in the fall, uh, bow or gun, but okay. I was so new. I was like, all right, shotgun, shotgun 12 yep. gauge. Yep. I didn't even have a deer barrel. It was a skeet barrel or okay. a field barrel. So no no rear aperture. It was just one beat at the end and you just hope for the best. So yep. it's getting towards the end of the hunt and I, he got, I was like, am I able to shoot it? He goes, Go ahead. So I take aim, and I hit it because I noticed it's it just its head just fell down. I was like, "Oh my gosh!" And it was about fifty yards. And yeah. I was like, "Wow!" Okay. So go down there, and it was a button buck. So a button buck has this little nubbins on the top of its head. So it was like, in terms of like, it was probably you know a yearling. Yeah. You know, just not really getting into the rut because he had no way to fight. Yeah. And I hit it in the spine, so that's why it just yeah. healed over. And I I blew its I think I blew its heart out. It was a good clean shot. Yeah. And um, probably an instant kill. Yeah. Sounds like it. He didn't feel it. And that's what you want. You want an instant. 
I, clean I, kill. I damage some of the back meat, which is fine. Um, yeah. Back straps. Yeah, that's where you get the uh, you know the, the the best cuts for jerky and everything else. And yep. Um, yeah. So when they had me field dress it, uh, I was this is the part that scared me out of my mind was field dressing it because you know so, yep. ripping the guts out of an animal. I feel like you're describing exactly how I'm going to feel on my first hunt. Well, that's the what I'm the idea of looking. Like seeing an animal in the wild, because okay, let me let me set a bit of a tone here, which you can probably agree with. I grew up doing a lot of things outdoors. Yeah, I did a lot of camping. I did a lot of hiking. We did backpacking trips. So I've seen wildlife out in the wild. And you're an Eagle Scout, right? Correct. Yes. Yes, I am. Maybe the the listeners know we have an Eagle Scout. Oh, game over. That's my legend, maybe. Eagle Scout, uh, for those of you who don't know, is the highest, well, at least at the time, it was basically the highest rank you can get. It's what you try to achieve as a Boy Scout, and it's actually a pretty, pretty good accomplishment. That's something, it's definitely something to strive for. Even the military acknowledges that you get. Yes, they yeah, do. Absolutely. So. Yeah, I forgot about that, but I remember learning that. Because back when I was thinking about going into the military, maybe more on that later. Um, but anyway, yeah, so... Like I said, watching some YouTube videos of these people that are going out and hunting, that really started sparking my interest in hunting. And it was just fascinating to me, these people that knew enough to go out, cleanly kill an animal, which means that they don't suffer, um, and, uh, and then harvest the meat, and then that they can feed their whole family for months with, with that meat for months. Hopefully the family likes the meat, but that's another that's another topic but i mean i was just fascinated by that so like that's one of the i mean that's why i'm excited to talk to you about all of this stuff because what you just described is what i feel like it's going to be when i go on my first hunt do i really want to kill this animal that i'm looking at um and and then because there's there's obviously like a respect factor so like if you don't know any hunters and you don't like the idea of hunting i feel like you, you generally have very specific opinions on why we shouldn't be hunting in our modern world. And you probably have some fair points, and that's fine. But what I've found out in the stuff that I've been, I don't know, researching and the people like you that I've talked to that actually go out and hunt is the fact that, one, you're not looking for an animal to suffer. You actually have what I would consider maybe a higher level of respect for wildlife than just the average person who's never engaged in any of this kind of thing. Um, and when you, when you get that opportunity to, to find that animal and you found that animal and you take that shot, like you have a whole mental thought process going on right there. So maybe talk about that. What has that journey been like for you? Yeah. Do you respect animals more now? Post hunting? Absolutely. Because um, when I took that first deer, you know, there's something about like, the, I took this animal's life so it can further sustain mine that's the that is the first thing i thought mm. and you know as a as a christian that that has other implications as well you know um but that's because i was in charge of it it was my doing it, it made me want to do it more because let's let's face it i'm never going to stop eating meat mm-hmm. and right. uh my I, I want my legacy to be that i took charge of the things that i wanted to harvest whether it's food whether it's meat. Because I remember the first time I ate a zucchini that I grew. Yeah. Uh, my wife and I were like, we allowed to do this? Because there's, a, there's like this weird indoctrination of our society. It's like, 
oh no, someone else needs to grow it for you. Oh no, someone else needs to butcher it for you. But when you do it yourself, there's like this weird, like you, you kind of feel like you're ostracized. Like, oh, well you, because at work, at, at work, I, and, and other social, you know, interactions, there are people who are like, oh, I, I, how can you do that? And I asked them like, do you eat meat? Well, yeah. So like, what's, what, why, why chastise me? And it's, it's, I never shy away from the topic because I'll, I'll bring up how at work, you know, or in social, you know, places like, yeah, I harvested a deer. And like, well, how could you do that? Because I look for opportunities to be like, I am taking charge of it. I'm going to eat it. And my wife said, she goes, if you kill it, I'll, I'll cook it. And by goodness, she can cook some mean deer chili. Oh my gosh. Oh, game over. Yeah. Deer chili. Spicy? Uh, no, she cooks it pretty neutral because okay. of the kids. Uh, so it has that, that chili kick to it. Um, my, my boy loves it. So I, I'm, I'm looking forward to the day when uh, uh, my children can be like, yeah, I've already had deer chili. So That's awesome. Very excited. I love, yeah. I love the idea of t- deer chili. My yeah. uncle. I'll bring uh, you some. I have an uncle in uh, Indiana, uh, and he would always hunt deer. And I just remember going Christmas time uh, over, to my, over to their house, and he would have summer sausage. And it was so good. I don't know what exactly he put into the summer sausage, but he made it. Or at least he had somebody else make it. Well, next time I come out, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a little care package. Oh, yeah? I, I mean... I will receive a care package. Excellent. I, we had these things called Shields Family Dinner. I call them SFD. Uh-huh. And I, I need to do a, a deer SFD, if you will. Uh-huh. Because I have to get rid of my last year's meat reserve. So I'll, I'll bring you some, some summer sausage and some chili because I think... It needs to happen. Okay. I'll, I'll take it. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's back up a little bit because yeah, there, there was a couple of good things that I wanted to talk about there. So, um, yes, if you already are going to eat meat, it actually does make sense for you to go out and obtain it yourself, especially in the wild, because then you can control, uh, especially you see all the videos that people have of things that happen and like those meat factories, essentially. Food Inc. Yeah, Food Inc. Yeah, so the idea of being able to go and harvest your own meat so you know that you didn't make the animal suffer, you kept the animal from suffering. Um, I brought this up on the first podcast I did with Nick Lashiva where we talked about hunting, but there was a podcast, Joe Rogan, obviously anybody who knows anything about (laughs) podcasting knows about Joe Rogan's podcast, but he obviously is a pretty avid hunter. He had, um, what was the name of the guy? Bertrand Russell, I think that's his name. He's an actor. And that guy's like, I think he's a straight vegan. And it's just this clip that I watched of their Joe's interview with him. And they were talking about hunting elk. And Joe brought up a good point. Uh, Cameron Haynes has brought up this point too, I think on a podcast. But the idea that these animals that are in the wild, specifically like a deer or an elk or these types of animals that, that these guys hunt, they don't die a painless death if they're not hunted. They're going to eventually die a pretty violent death uh, by getting eaten by wolves or or some other kind of predator. They're not going to, like, die comfortably asleep old age. So that's an interesting point that Joe brings up in that particular podcast where he's talking about... um, Because he generally is hunting like a mature buck. He's probably already passed his genes on several times, and he's giving him a good, clean death. So what are your thoughts there? You know, when you were going on about that, uh, like, explain to that 
the vegan guy. I already forgot his name. Bertram. Bertrand Russell, I think. Yeah. I'm probably I, messing that up. That's that's okay. Um, there's, yeah, there is no deer retirement home. Mm-hmm. You know, unless, I mean, there are deer sanctuaries. Where, yes. You know, and those those get poached all the time. Um, the, the biggest issue I take with conservation, um, and Ohio has, at least historically, not done, has not been due diligent with with its use of natural resources. And this is just ha- having conversations with people at the ODNR. Yeah. Um, long end of the short, uh, Muskingum River stands for, the word Muskingum is like elk eye. So Ohio used to have tons of elk. We drove them all out because they're, they can typically be destructive towards farmland. Um, hmm. But we've also driven out predators too. Like you hear people saying, oh, I, I have coyotes. I have, I have this. I have, you know, we don't, we don't want bears in Ohio. And it's like, we need wolves we need bears we need i mean i'm so glad that there's been bear sightings in licking county in franklin county this is from i the, heard this recent i actually i think nick brought that up yeah from the dnr yeah yeah and uh and people always gripe at me like well you know what if my family it's like well i mean you can you can exercise situational awareness you know it's um it's those who uh it's let me sure i don't say it backwards we don't plan to fail but we fail to plan i get that from Pat McNamara, it's my favorite saying of his. But anyway, yeah, um, you know, it's we we need to understand that nature is wild, and it's our job because we're we're in nature. But the the issue that we have is that we're so disassociated from nature that we feel weird when we buy eggs from a farmside stand, when we grow our own fruits or vegetables, that we feel that hunting is just so like neanderthal that it's it's below us and it's like us being creatures who can eat other creatures for sustaining our lives and the lives of others because it's ultimately about providing mm-hmm. you know right. and, I, and i that rings very deeply to me is about providing and i and if i'm trailing off topic i apologize no, but it's good man okay. um it's it's fundamental i i really think yeah, at least on a small level a person should have a hunting experience especially if they eat meat if you're a vegan fine at least yeah. grow your own food. And we're not here to hate on vegans either. It's just not our country. It's a free tea. country. Yeah. You know, so you can do whatever you want. Absolutely. I'm, there's no condemnation here, but I get more condemnation from people who say I'm a murderer or whatever. And it's like, ain't, ain't nothing going to sign for me eating meat. So mm-hmm. raise a glass of that. <laughs> Cheers, as they say. <laughs> so I want to go back to your first kill. The field dressing. Did he help you with it? Did you know what you were doing? Did it stink? So, um, <laughs> you know, in the Bible where it talks about the River Nile, yes, and the, it's you know it's blood, yes, and you know in the in everything the died, yeah, um, and it stank. And unless you like have worked in a butcher house, which I have not, yep, a large amount of blood is very, very smelly. Mm. Um, so uh, I didn't know what I was doing. They had me do the first incision. And I was wow. It you know Did they show you where they they gave, they gave me a knife and I was like okay and I just cut right here and I start cutting down and I'm, I my stomach is immediately getting queasy. And I'm yeah. like all right. I was like I need to push through this because it's not you know if we go back to creation a little bit you know it's not in our nature to to kill to for life to be taken but still sustaining life. So as I'm like fighting my own like like queasiness yeah I, it's getting late in the day and the guy's like all right you did your first incision good job. We're gonna we're gonna finish this out for you. Took them like ten minutes to do. Boom. We we gravity dressed it, which is tied it to a 
ATV threw a rope over a limb and strung it so it's hanging in the air. So all you had to do was just cut it, and gravity did the rest. And so, talking about for the actual field dressing, so disemboweling. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So when we, so you didn't have to get in there and yank stuff out. No, but they did have to paint me. So it was my paint fir- you. Yes, it was my first kill. And so this sounds like a term for insiders. Yeah. So uh, everyone has a different tradition. These these men brought me into their traditions, which I will most certainly pass on. But I don't. Some people eat the heart. I'm okay with that. I'm not going to do that. But uh, how big is the heart? Heart is actually. I know I'm gesturing so you guys can't see it, but it's so he's, it's it's a little bit bigger than like our softball. Heart. I'd say it's softball. Yeah, no, I'll bring are you one saying in for they you. eat it raw? Some people take a bite out of it raw. I've I've heard of it. I'm not sure. You know, oh, I'd lose it. But for me, they painted my face. They they put their hand inside the cavity of the deer. Okay, and they swiped it from like. You know, like almost like a war movie, you know. And Again, Lord to, of the Rings, the white hand of Saruman yes, thing. Thank you. As many <laughs> Lord of the Rings references we can get. Yeah, better. folks. Michael and I share uh, a love for Lord of the Rings. What about Hobbit? Where do you stand on Hobbit? I just want to ask. I that wish I was one. He wish. No, no, no. The movies. Oh, the Hobbit the movies. Hobbit. <laughs> <laughs> I love the way they live. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I read the books. I wasn't a fan of a couple of things they left out. Yeah, um, in the Hobbit, in the Hobbit movies yes, specifically, there okay. are some very big things, and the, the love story. It's like, come on, yeah, don't there's, need no, there's no need for it. There is no need for that. But I'm sure Tolkien would be fine. He's he was he was an easygoing person, I think. But yeah, okay. So back to the topic. Yeah, anyway, uh, so when they when they painted face. when they painted my face, he made sure to to really wipe it on my mouth, <laughs> and uh, I had I had hair in my mouth, and I <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I I got to taste it, and uh, really almost lost my cookies there oh yeah and uh it was i made it through we i i ate the deer i did my dad and i he made me deer tacos for the first time it was disgusting Wait, um, did you say your dad he he was like well i'll cook it he likes to okay. cook okay he, he can't cook deer deer that well i'm sorry dad <laughs> maybe you've changed in the last 10 years but Call anyway it like it is uh but yeah that's full circle what, what happened when i took my first deer so, so did they did they cut the meat out after after the whole gravity things falling down, do they cut the meat out or do you take it out of the site? So yeah, we threw it on top of our uh, SUV and drove through McDonald's with like three dead deer on top, which is really funny. I'm he, waiting to see if he's going to make a face, so I know if he's kidding right no, now. Or this not. Is, but it sounds like he's actually this is real. I mean, the, a McDonald's the, drive-through <laughs> with three dead deer on the roof. Hopefully, it was like a McDonald's that this happens semi-frequently. I mean, it was one in Laurelville, so I'm, I'm sure they're used they're to They're used to it, the probably. Frequenting. Um, Is it Laurelville or Laurelville? Laurelville. Okay. E. Shout out to my fellow Ohioans in Laurelville. Absolutely. It's a good place. I think it's it's near Logan. Okay. Hocking Hills. Anyway, if my geometry's messed up, I apologize. But yeah, we drove it through, and then we actually delivered it the next day to Johnstown, it was formerly called Perfect Meats, uh-huh. but now today is called Amazing Meats. And, and this where, is a processing place. Yeah, they basically you check off a bunch of boxes and you pay, you know, extra for jerky. They don't do jerky now, but back then they did jerky, and then you want ground venison, which I highly recommend. More ground venison, the better. It's so dynamic. But basically, you, you're saying you check off the boxes, so what meat you want essentially, or what form you want it in. I'm yep. imagining, and then they process the whole deer. Yeah, it's roughly about a hundred bucks. Okay, and it's like all like nicely packaged and like sealed dried or not sealed dried. That's a, not a real term. Vacuum sealed. Yep, vacuum is what sealed. It is. Yep, and uh, 
then it just takes up space in your freezer for until you use it. That's so that's so awesome. Everything's labeled, so you can just open up yep. your freezer and get yeah. in there and get after it. Now, since then, have you ever cut out your own meat? Have you ever like processed a deer on your own? So that's that's my next goal is to is to work towards that. The the appeal of having amazing meats do it in Johnstown is everything's already packaged. Right. You know, it's like when you're when you when you when I field dressed my last year because I did my last year. Um, thanks to Charles Harger and Troy Gillum, who... I know the first name, don't know the second name. Troy's a good guy. Um, we're in a church small group together. Uh, we, we we share an affinity for the outdoors as well. And Awesome. Um, yeah, when I when I field dressed this last year, I was able to like get an idea of like what butchering would actually look like. Right. And it was interesting, because once you take the pelt off, you kind of start getting like, oh, yeah, I see how it's so easy to start butchering a deer and cut like this the cuts out so yep you gotta make sure you have a good sharp knife i would imagine charles gave me a, a knife that he found in his attic and it's like a super nice knife and i because i know i mean he, he hunts and mm-hmm. i feel dressed it when he was there with that knife and i was like there you go man and uh awesome i think it's like super sharp yeah and he made sure to chastise me later saying i better sharped it and cleaned it because i like it was covered in blood. He's oh, like, yeah. it'll rust the blade and yep, tarnish it. Take and care like, of those blades, man. Yes, sir. Yeah. So you did get a little bit of a of a, a shot at doing it, but that's basically that's one of your next major goals is to learn how to and be proficient at cutting all of your own stuff. Yeah. On Meat Eater, they make it look so easy. They you know, I, I know you watch that show. And it's sure like, do. They just boom, 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 done. Steven Ranella, Meat Eater. It's a great show on Netflix if you've not seen it. I mentioned a YouTube channel earlier, so I'll go ahead and say what that is now. Um, deer Meat for Dinner. Uh, it's just this dude, man. He goes ocean. He'll catch stuff from the ocean. Um, I'm sure he's got, like, recipes and everything. They have a website. But I used to watch their stuff on on YouTube quite a bit. That's one of the things that really got me interested in these things. But Deer Meat for Dinner. So, I mean, you he does full videos on um, cutting out meat on different, lots of different animals. Cause he lives in Florida. So apparently there's different areas where like boars will be tearing up, tearing up land. Oh, man. And so he'll go, I don't, I don't know how it works exactly, but he'll go and hunt the uh, hunt and kill these boar. So he'll show you how to process a boar. Um, there was, one, there was one, uh, where there was a, like a big old alligator in, I can't remember if it was like a retirement community or a golf course or whatever, but this gator like got in and like they asked him to like go in and get rid of it. So then he's showing, he takes it to, I think a professional processor, but he showed you how to get to some gator meat. So you should check that out if you've not heard of him yet. I've had gator meat. It does taste good. It does. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, believe I'm, it. I'm from Florida for three years. So I think I, I knew that. Was that? You were young. I don't think I knew that about you. Yeah, we were military brat for like three years, and my dad right. got out, and they moved to Ohio. But um, yeah, I mean, gator meat, it just tastes like chicken. Yep, like that's what I've heard. Like everything, except for deer. Deer has its own thing. And people get so, like, freaked out about deer meat. Like, oh, it's going to taste gamey. And it's like, it may. What, is, what does that mean? So it's, it's like this... Man, even hearing myself stammer over it, it's it's a. <laughs> it, it's a I mean, I literally. Just that's exactly that on you. how I would describe it. Is because uh, it's blow. it's like this wild taste, and um, if you never tasted it, I'll I'll try to give you an opportunity to taste it. Um, I do not taste it in my wife's chili. Do not taste it in that summer sausages because it's it's 
it typically happens in animals who have less fat. Right. And and I'm no expert on this. I'm I'm still learning a lot. Um, so if you usually combine it with other stuff, you won't taste it. Um, another big factor, this is what I've got, like, I picked up from reading, is um, if the animal has a lot of adrenaline in its system, it tends to flood the, the muscle, which is what you're eating, with, you know, a lot of hormone, which can make meat very gamey. So when I killed my deer recently, uh, last year, I hit it in the lungs. I double lunged it. That was your double, you told me, you told me about that. Yes, double lung. And uh, first kill with the bow. Um, I can, I can tell you that story if you want. Yeah, well, that's, let's, <laughs> let's get into that. So Michael is a bow hunter. Uh, Nick Lashivo, who I recorded that first podcast already, he uses a crossbow. That was his thing. So he talked about his favorite hunt, which was his, um, it was his first buck that he killed. That's a great story. But yes, I want to hear, I want to hear about your double lung. I want to hear about <laughs> why you picked bow hunting specifically, because you're very passionate about that. So what, let's start with bow hunting. Why bow hunting, Michael? So uh, superficially, uh, I, will, I will also not be divisive between uh, compound bow, recurve, or crossbow. Any, any way you're going to take down an animal humanely is fine with me. I know there's like, I do like to rib my friends who use crossbows, but there's no shame in that game. As long as you're going out there trying to harvest an animal to feed yourself, anybody else, just do it. Yeah. But uh, initially, I was, it's, I didn't, I was very tired of being cold when mm-hmm. I was doing shotgun. Yeah. And then uh, I was like, man, I was like, you can hunt that early. You can start hunting in like late September. I was like, okay. As long as you have a bow. Yes, sir. And uh, talking to my other friends who have, who have bow hunted or at least did archery. I've always liked archery. And um, they're like, oh, man, there's something about it. So, you know, I was like, okay, I was, I'm going to try it. Mm-hmm. A, a different way to take down an animal. And there's, there's the, you feel more connected because there's so many different factors you have to calculate for. Wind, or is there one leaf in your way? Because the first shot I ever took at a deer was last year, and I missed because there was a, a twig in the way. I wasn't used to that with a shotgun. Shotgun yep. was no issue. blast through everything. <laughs> it's like I, I hit a twig at a buck, and I had it right in the kill zone. You know, there's a pie plate behind the shoulder blade where you hit the lungs and the heart. It sent my arrow like 20 yards off and like way, way past a deer. It took me about 30 minutes to find my arrow, and I was like, okay. And I, each time I go out hunting, I learn something new about bow hunting and hunting. So it's just, you know, doubling down. But um, hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, baseline, I, I like being warmer. I'd rather be hot than cold, 100%. People who choose... You know, like, oh, I, I, I'd rather be cold than hot. You can't function when you're cold. And I'm stealing this from Pat McNamara because I, I, he, he quoted it. I'm quoting it from him, but. You I said think, he has a podcast, right? Yeah, University of Badassery. It's, uh, okay. he, he and CJ Ortiz do one. That's like, I'm a, I'm a total fanboy of that. We'll just yeah. call it a fanboy. I'd never heard of it, so I'm definitely checking it out. Absolutely. You'll love it. So, <laughs> so the bow hunting, you're, so some things that I learned. So I just kind of want to clarify this. Are you in a tree stand or are you stalking? So I am in a tree stand. Um, unfortunately I'm in a pin oak tree, so it's, I'm not too high off the ground, which is kind of nice. Um, not a huge fan of heights, but Hey, who cares? (laughs) Yeah. I'm here to do business. So yeah. Except the challenge, right? Yeah. I I've tried hunting in a deer blind. Not, I'm not a huge fan of it because I don't like my vantage point. Is that the thing on the ground, almost like a tent? Yeah. Situation. Great for Turkey. If you can, see him but uh i i'd much rather be in a deer stand and more specifically i do not like climber stands climber stands are uh do you know what a climber stand is nope so basically you attach these little you attach the foot plate 
to your feet, and then you have the you know the seat attached to your chest as well, and you're literally pushing yourself up. What? A, it, you're climbing a tree, and it has these cables in the back that hook, and you're constantly like applying that right so amount of Michael pressure. Michael was just doing a motion which looked like, like dip. tricep dips. Yes. So you're literally like <laughs> tricep dipping yourself up a tree. It's it's. Where, where's, is there a release button? Like, what if you accidentally hit you're, that? You're the release button. You, if you like, pitch yourself both the right right way, you'll probably zip on down. But it's uh, it's precarious. Yeah, and I, I don't think I'm digging this methodology that you're laying out. Yeah, I mean, and they have climbing sticks too. And climbing sticks are like basically like I'm trying to use my hands because I'm Italian. I apologize. Totally but it's, cool. It's like you have something nailed to a tree, like a like a or attached to a tree, and they're like little like cross beams. Okay. And then you have a ladder stand, which is what I have. Okay. Uh, much for the ladder stand. I know I'm going to get a double seater once my daughter is ready. Is ready. But um, she's got a bow too, right? A little recurve bow. That's yeah. fantastic. But you're teaching her how, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, describe for me the stand that you're in. So it's just a simple uh, one seater stand. It's, I mean, I bought it for a hundred bucks on okay. sale after the hunting season. Yep. Um, well, that's the methodology that you told me. I don't know why I said methodology again, but when we were talking about starting hunting, you said specifically, just wait until hunting season is over and get on Facebook Marketplace and look. It, you know, I might have somebody, you know, who can sell you a deer stand, but uh, uh, it's after the hunting season, everyone's selling their old stuff to trade up the new ones. Right. Like Field and Stream, they're selling all their rubber stock to, you know, make room for what's ever going on in the wintertime, you know, so... Uh, that's typically when I buy yeah. all my upgrades. What, when, what, what is this timing? Right now? It's right uh, now. Oh, no, no. Sorry. Like, we're in peak right now. Yeah, like, everything's expensive. Yeah. Um, so I would say January. So January. So that's the, th- that's the thing I wanted to make a mental note on back when Michael and I were talking about this a long time ago at work. Uh, when to get your first gear, because as we talked about in the last podcast, the first investment is the most expensive. That's when you're getting all of your gear. So um, you said January? January, February, the last day of deer season is like, um, I, I'm probably wrong, but it's like early, I think it's like February 2nd, and then it's done. So like January, you start seeing like, all right, things start going down, and I I usually like grab my buck bombs, you know, because they're like... What's a buck bomb? <laughs> a buck bomb is a doe and ester spray, okay, and it has it. two methods. You can either spray... Not I think on yourself. Do not spray on yourself unless you want up close and personal. Well, that's just my... That's too up close and personal. Yeah, I, I don't want a buck to be right on me. So what I'll do is I'll, because with the bow, it's hard because you have a bigger motion, I think. You have to pull back yes. and do whatever. Um, gun, again, it's, you raise your weapon. But anyway, uh, a buck on me, it's, it's doe and ester spray. You can either, like, chuck it like a grenade if you want. Sure. And it'll, you set a pin, uh, a pressure plate down, and it locks in, and you can chuck it, and it shoots out the spray. It's crazy. And, or you can just be like, you know, spray it into the wind so that, It'll mask your smell. Yep. And it'll also bring him from that direction. So, right. A friend, I don't know if you work with Dennis Dowds. You know Dennis? I remember Dennis, yeah. yeah he, he turned me on to that. It, Brilliant. Um, I, I, I've accidentally he sprayed was a myself. He's man. Yeah, he's the one who's, who got me um, into Matthews bows. That's what I shoot with, is a Matthews bow. Which is a brand, I'm assuming. Yeah. Great okay. bow, uh, no problems. Um, What's the price tag? To so, somebody should expect. I would say around 200 bucks. 200 bucks will get you a good bow for yeah. hunting. How about arrows? Uh, depending on what kind you get, I get carbon fiber, and okay. I, get, I get, like, hunting grade. There are some, like, chintzy ones I got off Amazon because I requested it for my birthday, specifically because I know my family members would be like, I don't know much about arrows. I'm just going to buy. Yeah. And I'm like, that's fine. That's what I wanted yeah. because 
I lose arrows sometimes. I'm trying to hit those long bombs of like 50 yards. Yeah. And I know 50 yards is probably for some people is like, oh, it's Not easy. in the woods, though. Yeah, I... You, you shoot something into the woods 50 yards away, like you were saying, when you had to... What did you say? You spent like 30 minutes hunting for that arrow? Yeah, it's... Yeah, it gets daunting. I don't like it. Do they have I, arrow finders yet? <laughs> they have uh, lighted knocks. Okay. So it's... Uh, once you pull back on the bow, it presses a little plate or a little pin in the back of the arrow, and it, like, lights up. So yep. you're like, I have a good idea where that arrow went. All right, well, I've seen that, okay? So Jocko Willink, have you, have you heard of him? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so he he's one of these guys that I, I, lo- I love to follow. His podcast is fantastic, by the way. Hard <laughs> to listen to. Some of them are really hard to listen to, but really, really good to listen to. Anyway, he got, I, I mean, he's probably got into it with Joe and some other people, but he has this sick bow where I see on his Instagram feed every once in a while. He'll go out at night after... His his day of being a man, um, and he'll shoot this huge bow, and like you see him all in the target. Like once he shot him, and they're all like had these little lights on the back. So that sounds like what you're describing. Yeah, lighted knocks are they're fun. They're but your best bet is to get them from like, well, from like this app called DH Gate. My my buddy turned me on to it, and it's okay. like lighted knocks are like almost like a dollar to two dollars a piece, and he got them for like nothing. So I'm like, cool. Works for Fantastic. Me. Yeah, because it's like... So it's, you actually do have some. Yes. Okay. I just equipped them the other day when I was getting all my gear prepped. So, But you also said yesterday was your first hunt? Yes. So you're in your hunting season right now. Yeah. It started the 26th okay. first day, but I October is like prime time. I like to go out. It, it really starts picking up like later in October, like closer to Halloween. That's like when rut's like in its like full swing. Yep. Um, and that's when I picked up my, my buck last year. So my wife, she's a, she's a very gracious woman. And I've been out hunting a couple times, more than a couple, like probably like 15 times it felt like. I'm not sure how many. But anyway, I texted her because what I do, um, my hunt's getting ready to end in like in two hours. I'm like, oh, hey, honey, what can, I, what can I do for you? She's been with the kids for hours. Yeah. And she's like, just Good get. Good man. Yeah. <laughs> she goes, I was, like, I, was, I was like, do you want ice cream? You know, like, what do you want? And she's like, just get a deer. And she's, of course, like speaking like funny that's our relationship she's like just just get a deer michael i was like all right honey i was like i was like i'm so sorry and she's like it's fine she's like it's all i want tonight i was like okay so i'm like i'm frustrated because i've been i got up like 4 30 that day hunted until like 11 not nothing 11 in the morning yeah okay um four o'clock in the morning till 11 in the morning that's your hunting stretch well and then i went home rested took the family to um Easton, did some shopping, you know. Okay, all right. Went, got back around three, went to my deer stand again, and hours passed, and I'm like, I'm like, I have about an hour left to light, and I'm like, dear Lord, help me out, Just let me get a deer, and I'm, this is what I like to describe as a hail mary for me. I, I get out my my buck grunt, and I get out my, um, it's a can. Highly recommend the 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 Doe and Esther's bleak can. It's amazing. Okay. So I'm like, I'm, I'm making it sound like a party. I'm like, I'm like, all right, here we go. I was like, I'm, I'm sitting here bleeding and I get out my butt call and I'm like, normally I do about like four calls like okay. of a butt grunt and I don't have my instruments with me. Otherwise I'd show you. But anyway, I was like, I was close to like doubling them in one session. Cause you want to call every 20 minutes. Okay. And I was like, okay, it's a party now. So I'm sitting here waiting and I'm like, all right, it's nothing. And I hear this chum, 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 through the woods and I'm like. There, I mean, there's times where, like, oh, it's a stupid 
bird or it's a dumb squirrel. And I guess they are stupid and dumb because they drive me crazy. So you're like, it's a deer. But this, no, no bones about it. It was a, it was a deer. I turn around. So I'm, my, my stand is facing one way on a tree because that's what I'm hooked up to. And I turn around and I'm like, there he is. That's a buck. And it was a six pointer. Okay. Not, not a great rack. Like he, I have him at home. I should have brought him with me. This but, is uh, an appropriate time to talk about great racks. Thank you. So well played. <laughs> that was good. Um, <laughs> so I, I see him and I go, all right. And you were talking about like, like mentally, like the mental going into, into yep. hunting. Yep. Buck fever is a real thing. It's, I don't know. I mean, I don't know where it comes from. I, maybe it's from like your, your mind finally accepting, like, I am going to take this thing out. Yep. And it's, and it's a big, it's a big boy. So, yep. Even, and you take it in martial arts. It's like, you have to calm that. Yep. You find like your focus point and don't let your mind start running around. So I'm like, okay, right. first step. What do I need to do? Stand up, stand up. I'm caught. My harness is caught because I've been sitting now for so long. Uh, like I didn't realize I got hung up on something. So I'm like, okay. So I sit back down, untangle myself. And I look up again and I see he's still there. I do a call. He's like, he's looking for this, this doe who's like invisible. I'm like, all right, my window is shrinking because he's he, going to lose interest. He doesn't see it. He's like, I'm out. I'm clearly being, wow. I'm, she's clearly not here and I'm dumb. Yeah. He's, he's kind of a dumb buck, but <laughs> so I'm like getting really excited. Sorry. Anyway. So, uh, I go and I draw. Yeah. And he's, he's 25 yards. I measured, I measured the, the distance yesterday because my wife got me a rangefinder. Um, nice. He was 25 yards away. And I pull back and I look through my peep sight and I can't see anything. My peep had gotten twisted. And I was like, I had made sure before I got on here, this deer said that thing was ready to go yeah. well, during the course of the hunt. Un, you know, unbeknownst to me, I twisted back. So I had to like 70 pound draw bow re you know restring it without firing it so he's he just did a motion of releasing you know the 70 pound bow where he's got it like stretched ready to go and then he's stuck and so he's talking about like and you just see the mental frustration in his head just as he's talking about this story because all he needs to do is shoot (laughs) this arrow to get this buck and it's just problem after problem so you release it so i release it and i like twist it back and i i draw and there's something about like I don't know what it is. It, it might just be like, maybe something that I'm gifted with. That's very pompous sounding, but I, I've always been a good shot. Yeah. Thanks to my dad. But there's something about like, it's almost like an internal voice saying, shoot. Yeah. It's not like me. It, Cause the more I start thinking about something, the more I'm going to screw up. Cause yep. again, I'm a dumb person. The more I start getting caught up in my head, there was some, I, I put it right on that pie plate behind his shoulder blade. And, and something in me was like, just shoot. Cause you know, you have like on your bow, like a level you have like, like that's all I can think of right now. You've got like other things you can like measure and make sure that your arrow is going to be true. Yep. And I, I guess I'm more of an instinctual shooter and I, I released it and then he just ran away. And I was like, I was like, I know I heard a sound. Okay. I was like, it could have hit a tree. I was like any, and my mind is like racing and I'm like, okay, okay. Thank you God for the, for the deer. Yeah. Great. Awesome. Did I get it? So I like climbed down, and when you are going to go harvest a deer or to make sure it's dead, but especially for bow, you want to make sure that it's down. So yeah. if you walk up on a deer that's been wounded and it's not a kill, adrenaline will kick that thing up and he'll run for a mile. A deer can, from what I've been told, a deer can run for a mile. Well, like it can also straight. be dangerous, right? You can, there was a guy who died, I think, 
like in Utah. He was gored by an elk because he went in for like a kill. He's like, yeah. oh, I'm going to check on it. No, he's like, I'm very, adrenaline will kick up anything. Yeah. So, nature's amazing. So It is. Uh, waited like 30 minutes. At this point, it's, it's getting like very, it's getting close to dark. I was like, well, so this hold on. Do you, yeah, do yeah, you yeah. mean like you waited in the stand for 30 minutes? Uh, I was waiting by my stand. I didn't want to move. Okay. Yeah. And I was like, all right. So I, I hit him and now it's like the sun. You're, right. you're hoping though, right? You don't even know. I don't even know. So you're trying to get to verify. You want to verify it. You have all this, you've been leading up to this moment yes. where that you see this buck. You're obviously, you know, really excited to get one. So you had, you know, you threw a deer party. This buck shows up. You have three things stop you from getting that arrow going. And then you, you, you get the shot. And you're not even super positive that it was a great shot. It's more like of an instinctual thing. Yes. So you get the shot off. You hear impact, but you still don't know if you got the deer or not. But there's safety protocols that you need to follow. Yes. So you get out of the deer stand. You're on the ground. And you, you wait there for about 30 minutes. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just waiting. And I'm like, it's, it's like a... It's the longest 30 minutes of my life, yeah. you know, waiting for a deer. And I, um, I'm already calling my buddies. I'm like, hey, if I get this, if this thing's dead, I, I need your help. Because yeah, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm about a mile away from, like, anything. So, yeah, uh, which makes for a long day when you're walking back that far. But anyway, uh, time goes by, start walking back there. And I'm like, I, I know he went in this direction. So I'm looking. I don't see any blood. I was like, this confirms that I didn't get him. And it's it was kind of an awkward, like, like uh, scenery because it was really like tall grass and okay. then like honeysuckle and thorns. So I'm like just trudging through it. I put on my my big light and I see this big brown body and I was like, "That's it." He got like maybe thirty yards. And Unreal. So this it's dark, right? Yeah, it's dark at that point. It's very dark because yeah. you were getting close to the end of your nighttime yeah. hunt. And as I'm like like going through this whole, you can't hunt at night. So make sure I did not hunt at night. Oh, got it. <laughs> it wasn't at night. <laughs> it was night by the time I started searching for it. Um, but at least in the woods, because there's no Well, daylight. that had to be a factor then, too, when you see this buck. I mean, you said you were getting to the end of your hunt anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You throw the party, <laughs> but you're like, I got to get my shot off in time. Yeah. That had to be a factor. Yeah, so I had, I was within, like, I had plenty of daylight left. And when I shot, and then I waited that 30 minutes, started getting darker, and in, in, in a canopy... It's already it gets dark real quick. Yeah. And then um, by the time you're like searching in all directions, you're like, it's dark. Like another 30 minutes has already passed. And I'm like, yeah. great. Yeah. And uh, when I saw that big brown body just sitting there, I was like, thank, thank you, God. Like, yeah. Because he did not, he clearly didn't suffer. He went, and as we spoke before, I, I hit him double lung, which is like, and even, I like to even send my shots to like more experienced hunters because, you know, I'll take any lesson I can get. And they're like, Great job in the shot. And I was like, well, that's all I needed because yeah. you know, make sure you're doing all right. Um, humanely, yep. taking out an animal. So, call my friends over, Charles and Troy, and they uh, helped me field dress it. And we like took it, took it out on a a gator, just threw it in the back, thanks to Mister Greg Cockrell, the uh, the farmer, and whose gator out. was it? I was his. Yeah, he's, he's a gator. I, I hunt on his property, and he um. Yeah, we strung it up his garage and or not his garage, his barn. Sorry. Yeah. In his barn, and we, uh, I brought the whole family out the next day. Liz nice. and like my kids, like all right. Liz is your wife. Yes, Liz How is my kids? wife. Two kids, Leona and Levi. Leona's five, Levi's two. Okay. And uh, Leona's like super in the hunting. That's fantastic. And I, she, her and I watched that meat eater show. Yep. She's seen stuff get field dressed. Yep. She's not grossed out by it. I was like, all right, we'll see how this goes when you get older. Yeah. So. Um, 
she was really excited. To, so hold on, to I think I missed, I missed a detail yeah. I was curious about. Did you do any field dressing? Did you actually field dress it in the field, or did you get the whole thing into the barn and field dress it there? Oh, we field dressed it in the field. In the field, okay. It was... Because, I mean, you have to... I would assume you kind of have to do it in the field because you need to leave that stuff there. Oh, that guts? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you could technically put it in, like, a wheelbarrow or, like, shovel it out. And, you know, I always carry a shovel with me just in case I need to bury it, but in the middle of the brush... Not Doesn't matter. Sure. It's coyote food at that yeah, point. Yeah, right. So Charles, I mean, there was one point, Charles, and it's a shout out to him. He did help me at the end because I'm I'm not here to be all big and bad, like, oh, I did it, blah, 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 you know? <laughs> right. I'm not that guy. Uh, they so were walk- he field dressed it for you? No, I field I did so like you did 95%. Okay. All right. It was getting late, and he had just had a kid. And he's like, all right, Michael, I need you to find the esophagus and cut it. And I go, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying, and um, I I keep hitting the spine. And again, again, this is all new to me. He What's goes, the reason for the esophagus? So that's what that's the last connecting point okay. uh, that like leaves all the entrails in there. So you think about you know end to end. Okay, you get, you get yep. the anus, and then you gotta get the esophagus. And I'm like, I can't find it, man. And I'm like trying, <laughs> and he just like like a man just walks. I'm like there, and I go. Well, okay. He goes, yeah, he goes, there's two different membranes, and you, you weren't following, you were following the first one on the second one. I mean, it was a fantastic learning experience because yeah. you're literally up to like your elbows and shoulders. So, like, your arm is up in there trying to find this thing to cut. Yeah. And it, it, it feels bumpy. Yeah. Like, a, you know, like an esophagus. Yeah. And uh, I went too far back at some points. And, and he just comes over, reaches up, and then boom, just cuts it. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, cool. Man's man. He, I, Mr. Charles. Charles Harger is the man. Let the record show. Let the, let the record show <laughs> on Lancelot's Roundtable. Charles Harger is the man. I can't wait. But yeah, I mean that was that was a first deer kill with a, with my compound bow. I uh, this was last year. Last year. Last yeah. year. And I'm ready to rock and roll again. So so is this your second year bow hunting specifically? Yes. So second year bow hunting. Uh, you, like, what's your schedule? Do you just do it every weekend? <laughs> whatever, whatever my makes my wife the most happy. You know, like I'll like I'll I, I find myself more successful in evening hunts. I think it's just part of the the area that I'm in. Okay, and that's where like having a trail cam is huge. That's, We've talked about the trail. Well, you've told me about the trail cam. Yeah, I I mean I only have one. I'm not you know I don't have the resources to buy a bunch of them. You know. Yeah. So I'll buy one and then I'll, I'll get an idea based on the sightings. I'm like, okay, this deer is showing up around like in this area consistently like 4.30 in the morning or this deer or 6 p.m. at night. Like, okay. I'm, and it gives you an idea of like, all right, I'm going to do an evening hunt to bag this big boy. Yep. And um, I don't know if you saw my trail cam photos on Instagram. Yeah. Was there, a, there was like the second or, or no, second to last, was that a pig? Yeah, it was, or a, a, it was a pig. So this was on your Instagram feed, yes. I believe. That's the Instagram is Mike's Outdoor Adventure. Mike's Outdoor Adventure. I know. It sounds corny, but like... Get on there and do a follow, folks. Thank you. And it's... Just to give it a small plug, it's... for The reason why I made the account is that... And it's even in, in the description. I don't... I don't know everything. I'm, I'm trying to learn as much as I can. The, the purpose is, is that like, hey, someone like me, again, I'm no one special, can go out there and just start picking up. I'm like, all right, yeah, I'm going to start fishing. I'm going to start hunting. And it's just like... Just to encourage people to be like... To, to get into physical fitness because physical fitness is a huge part of hunting. Absolutely. Um, you're dragging a, like a 120 pound dead deer, dead weight deer through brush. You have to have 
some semblance of strength and cardio. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> yes. I'm just saying. <laughs> just saying. Because <laughs> I was telling Charles, like, well, you may have cut the esophagus, but you got to admit, I, I powered that three. And he's like, oh, yeah, you did good. But um, that's, that's the whole point of the channel, Mike's Outdoor Adventure. And, uh, Wait, is this Instagram or YouTube? Instagram. Oh, you said yeah. channel, and then I thought, oh, we need to make sure if you have it. You don't, you don't have a YouTube? Do I you? do have a YouTube. It's, it's in its baby stages. The, uh, the only thing I have on there, and this may sound really dorky, uh, is a video of a spider catching a fly. Like it was, I know again, sounds stupid, but I was like, this is so cool. And it's kind of like one of those things. I'm like, am I the only person who thinks this is cool? No, I don't care. (laughs) But, um, yeah, it was just a really epic kill for that spider. Yeah. So doesn't matter. He sniped him. He he did. That's amazing. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I love hunting and I love fishing. Fishing's your bread, and I mean that's like your yeah, joy, isn't it? it? It really is. Um, my father and I got to take a striper bass hunting or hunting. Sorry, talking about hunting too much. <laughs> got to take a, a striper bass fishing trip down to Lake Cumberland this year, and that was fun. Um, Kentucky. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but just fishing, man. That's that's. I consider hunting to be a, a strength of mine, but fishing is like my thing. That's what I'm really good at. Yeah. Right? How, you've been doing that your whole life, right? No. No? Uh, Corey Long had, uh, so my, my wife and I first got married, and I was like, I, wanna, I want a hobby. Every man should have a hobby. And, I, and that, that just fundamentally, I, I know that sounds like a generalization. That is very true. Yeah, you need a hobby. Especially the, when you're in the season of being an adult. Yeah. You need to have a good hobby. And I'm not talking about, oh, I drank beer and played cornhole. Like, it's, it's got to be something more manly can can i say that sure i don't care yeah like like woodworking or like fishing is such a a great gateway for a hobby yeah because you can start off small i any hobby that you take up you should start off small that's how my wife would do it it's Um, a good word yeah my wife and i do everything that way like do we want land start off with a half acre can we handle it yeah let's bump up by god's grace it happens so yeah um Corey taught me how to fish when i was like hey my dad he's not a great teacher, and he'll admit this sure. to my to anyone's face. That's fine. I love him. So uh, he taught me how to fish, like for real, like even how to tie knots. And I was so hooked oh, yeah. on it. Um, Corey, that is, he taught me how to tie knots. And um, not my old man. Uh, that uh, like I started YouTubing stuff. I'm like I, I was just so hungry. I was like started like reading books and like how to like angle. And uh, him and I will go head to head, and I'll and it's funny because I'm like, hey, remember you taught me how to fish, and I just beat you. And it, <laughs> that's uh, it's great. Just, we have, it's such a great relationship with that guy, and um, and that's how it is with like anybody who I fish with. I'm like, yeah. there's always a competition. It's like, but it's a fun competition, right? Yeah, like, yeah. and it's it's having that competition, like, and that's where I think men like like kind of get dulled, if you will, like not like personality wise but they they lose their sharpness because there's not like even a friendly competition in their life um and it's like you could reduce it down and be like well like i'm really competitive for like for my team it's like oh you know i really like to cheer for my team i mean that's fine nothing wrong with it you should be out there actually trying to be competitive on your own like strength and mental like everything your dexterity it's um you don't want to get soft as a guy you do not want to become soft and there's lots of ways that you can apply that that phrase i think um, because lots of, lots of guys have different passions and different hobbies, you know, to, to go off what you're, what you're talking about here. So to put my own two cents in there, um, 
you need something that keeps you on an edge. I think that's how I would phrase it. Something that keeps you on an edge. Um, something, something that you're striving for that makes you a little bit better at like something. And so like when I, when I think about this, let me see if I can like state this a little bit better. Um, but yeah, like for me, one of the big things last couple of years when we got this house was like, we, we bought this house and it had this huge garden out there. I didn't know anything about That's gardening, awesome. but there's something, there's something invigorating about learning something and not having to have it perfect all the time. There's something freeing about not having to have it perfect and allow yourself the freedom and the space to, to learn how to do it and learn how to do it well, to make mistakes. Oh, yes. that didn't work. I screwed that up. I can probably do that better. And like we were talking earlier, getting getting tips from people out there that know how to do it better than you. I've I've asked several people because we we keep trying to like grow kale and like it's <laughs> it's great at first and then something starts eating it and I can never find the darn thing. So like I'd look for something to pick off. I can never find anything to pick off. So I asked this guy who's a pretty avid gardener. I was like, what should I be looking for? And he, you know, he tells me, he's like, you know, you got to look for these little caterpillar type things. I still can't <laughs> find them. Kim was able to find them. Cabbage worms? Maybe. That sounds right. They're evil. I didn't even, I mean, they're very tiny. Whatever these things are, they're really tiny. She was able to find some. But yeah, anyway, all that to say, like, as, as I'm learning and growing, I, that's what I mean when I say being, having an edge. It doesn't mean I'm the best gardener at all, but it means that I can see that there's something that I don't know much about, which is what this podcast is all about, finding out things and learning about things I don't know anything about or don't know much about so that I can be a better person, a better human, a growing yeah. human. So, like, um, that's what I mean when I say being on, like, having, having, being on an edge. Find something, anything that gives you a little bit of excitement and or passion and don't feel like you have to be an expert in it. Instead, strive to become an expert in it. So that's kind of where my thought process was going as you were talking there. No, and I was just taking notes on, <clears throat> on the things that you were referencing because I love it. Um, I, I read a book year like 2013. It was the um, Lone Survivor book. Oh. And, you know, there was something that he said in the book, and it's, it really resonated with me because it put it into words on what I experienced um, just growing up and identifying what's, like, who I am. Yeah. And it's, he says in there, I'm, I'm not talented at anything, but what I'm really good at is persevering. He goes, I will not quit. And I, I, that, I feel like that resonates with me because at baseline people like will think like, Oh, Michael, like, did you wrestle? Did you play football in high school? And it's like, no, like I, cause you know, I'm, I'm a bigger framed guy. Yep. Um, he's but, like, he's a, he's a well-built fellow. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, but it's, it's, you know, through, through getting bullied and, you know, like just never quitting. I, I refused to be stomped on and it, it required me getting stomped on even more because you resisted. And when people say that resistance, yeah. you had to keep going. And that, and that goes with anything is that we'll take fishing, for example, reason why people like that I've seen don't want to get into fishing. Cause I will go out there and be like, I'll teach you. Well, the first thing is that like, well, it's this weird like the weird pride issue that some of these men have where it's like, oh, well, I don't want to look like an idiot. It's like, doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like you, you don't know something. It's fine. Like the whole point is like, like I'm your peer. Yep. And, it, and you know, there needs to be some sort of like sharpening, you know, yes. Proverbs 27, 17. Yes. And Wait, um, say that again. 
Proverbs twenty seven seventeen as iron okay. sharpens iron. Yep. So one man sharpens another, and um, it uh, you know, and there's also should be that mentorship where an older you know an older guy is like, hey, here's how you build a table, stuff yep. like that. But yep. there's there's none of this peer interaction where it's like, hey, I know how to do this. Let me show you. And it's like, oh, I don't want to look stupid, or I, I I'm afraid of failing. Failure is fuel. Like, and so. Again, I'm generalizing men here, but I, I don't care. Um, we're, we're so afraid to fail and yeah. be perceived as, like, we're not good at something. Like, and, like, the saving facing, it's, like, it, it ends it's, – it's, a, it's a basically just a weird way of making yourself, like, flaccid and passive. You're, like, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm too afraid to try. And we, we lack this aggression in, in our society of, like, oh, like, I'm going to, like – if if you're even perceived as like a, like an, a a go getter, it's like well, he's just that's just so and so. Like he's oh he's he's really aggressive, and it's like no, like he's he's a passionate dude, and he's ready to handle some business. Like he'll he will be there. You you have a project to do, and you say ah oh, yeah, I gotta like my buddy Troy. He was like I gotta move this wood. I'm like when you need me, yeah. I, I'm I will never shy away from hard manual labor if my wife doesn't need me for anything else because she's my first priority. But it's like yeah, I. Hard manual labor. That is like the best way to serve somebody. And, and Absolutely. I know I'm touching on a lot of things, but. No, it's good. I mean, yeah. honestly, obviously you'll be back on the podcast again. Well, eventually, so we have plenty of things to talk about in the future, <laughs> but no, I want to touch on that too. So the, I mean, I actually went through a phase like that. I'd say where the, 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 the pass, the passivity I don't know if this is actually proper grammar or phraseology or whatever. Sounds right. Sounds right, which is good. Um, but walking through a season of, of defeat, I definitely walked through a season of just massive defeat for a long time, and I walked through that, that, um, that just feeling of uh, passivity, and it's awful. It's an awful thing to, to walk through, and it's an awful thing to, to be stuck in. And getting out of it is so fantastic and so important, but it's not, it's not easy, especially if you fall into like a, pa- a passive mindset. That's a good way to put it, I think. If you fall into a passive mindset, it is really hard to get out, um, especially if you don't know, if you're not sure how. But the best way to get out is to pick just one thing. Just one thing, maybe yeah. just do it, do it better in a day. It's so easy to, to, to look at the mountain of like, especially when you see you're not the way that you want to be. And then mm. you think about the way that you do want to be. You can, you can really put a mountain in front of yourself in that mindset and <laughs> then just be like, I can never, and then just get in this self-defeating cycle. I feel like I was there. Um, but man, if you can just do one or two, one or two small things, it really can make such a huge difference. Manual labor is a huge, huge thing because you and I, we both work in an office, right? Yes. So there's basically zero manual labor. I grew up doing a lot of manual labor. My, one of my first jobs was working in a landscaping company and Mm. man, all we did was manual stuff. So I kind of grew to like despise it. I didn't really, I didn't have a good respect for it. Um, Sure, it gave me motivation to go to college, but <laughs> now at this point in my life, I really, I really value like good manual labor. So, like on a Saturday, getting out in the yard and doing some stuff, it just feels so good. And and I think it's foundational for like especially men to kind of have that something aggressive 
uh, something that we can physically go after and attack. It's like, you know what? I got this yeah. tree back here. It's dead. I'm going to destroy it today. Yep. And it's like, or, you know, I got to rip up all this sod to plant my dang garden. I'm going to till it later. You know, it's just like harnessing earth and moving things. That's just. There's something so satisfying about it. Yeah. And it's something that we've lost touch with because it's yes. manual labor in our society is, 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 I think, is viewed as like, oh, you're persona no grata. Like you're, you're, yes. you're, you're kind of beneath me or like if you, you know. And it, it really bothers me because that's I put myself through college through construction and landscaping, and then, you know, I I also didn't like to silo myself. It's like, well, just because I'm good at manual labor doesn't mean I'm, I can't be like, you know, working in office. Exactly. So yeah. like even learning like you know SAS and SQL as you know yeah. you helped me with that and yeah. uh, like that Excel. <laughs> there's just this yeah Excel. <laughs> there's this this uh, this thing that we lack is like we're so easily defeated. Yep. And uh, you have to take on like this conqueror's mentality. Like, I don't care what comes at me. I'm going to absolutely destroy it. And the, and the human, like, sure. And again, that's where I get, you know, people say like, well, that's just, that's just really aggressive. And it's like, but then you get the other half who it kind of like, like riles them up. It's like, yeah, yeah you there's know. something there. Yeah. There's like, definitely something there. Yeah. I'm going to try to like not be defeated and I'm going to absolutely attack this. That's yeah. what we need. We, you know, I can talk all day on that. Yeah, our soul, well, our soul <laughs> needs it, right? Our soul really needs it because there's purpose there. Yeah, there's we need purpose diversity. there, and there, uh, I would say, I feel confident in making the statement that men might feel a deficit of purpose in our society. I think that might be a fair statement. Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, we men have been, you know, there's like these our, facets of our like, as I'm going to call core manhood, have just been marginalized. And it's like this weird attack on like on how a man should be. And it's like, well, really? Like there's if a guy likes hunting, you know, you you know, it's it's a free country. You shouldn't come after them and be like, well, you know, that animal had a life. Well, I'm like, well, it didn't after I was through with it because I ate it. Mm-hmm. And that's usually my response. But it's like, you know, if a man wants to be masculine the right way, yeah, do it. Every every facet of everything has a bad side to it. But on the, on the other side of the coin, there's a good side of it as well. So it's just like, you know, um, sharing the good with the, with the bad and trying to avoid the bad and, you know, foster a healthy growth of, like, healthy masculinity, which I think should be manual labor and going out and, I mean, if you, if you don't want to hunt, you try to grow your own food. Yeah. That's just... Yeah. That's my plug. Absolutely. <laughs> Grow your own food, if nothing else. Even if it's just like a singular tomato plant, take on that challenge. Absolutely. Oh, I can tell you how much better a tomato tastes when you grow it. Oh, 100%. And I, don't, I don't think I would eat. So we have cherry tomatoes. I think that's what they're called out there, cherry tomatoes. I don't know if they're a different type of tomato, but it's that, it's that thing. It's like a small tomato. We have two plants out there. I won't eat the stuff that we buy at the store, but if we have cherry to whatever those tomatoes are if they come in through the garden i will eat those yeah so kind of go back on something we were talking about because we're getting towards the end of our time here i don't want to keep you over um a good story i think to kind of sum up some of the stuff that we're talking about um in my own life then i would like to hear one from you if you if you have one also i'll put you on the spot so you can start thinking while i'm talking but perfect so as you know we had a really hard year with kim's health last year at the end of the year, because I couldn't go out and take care of the garden, 
because we were just way too busy. The, the garden come, come mo- become mostly like overgrown with weeds, just weeds everywhere. And there was a specific day when things had been turning around. It was in September, so just over a year now, um, where I... I think I, I think I actually told the kids, I was like, Hey guys, we're going to go reclaim the garden. And so like <laughs> Kim came out, the all three of our kids came out and the kids didn't do a whole lot, but we were all in the garden together. And like the boys were digging, just sitting in the, in the dirt and it was cold. Like it was probably after the first frost or before the first frost, but we, we reclaimed the garden. We ripped out all the weeds. We went to war yes. to get the garden back and it felt so good. And then after it was done, we planted all of our garlic cloves. And that felt so good because there was something about that because like at the end of like la- towards the end of last year, we had gone through just a hard year as a family. So this the the mental steps to go out and choose to do that in the garden was very symbolic about, OK, we have hope again. We have hope because her health had turned around like we had been making lots of positive steps there. So mm-hmm. going out and taking action and reclaiming the garden, I'm putting that in quotes for you folks that are just listening, obviously, because you can't see us reclaiming the garden. But there was just something and we made it fun. Like I said, let's go to I think I told him, like, let's go to war. Let's reclaim these. Let's reclaim our garden. Um, And then and then getting the garlic in the ground on the same day, because so, folks, the the garlic that I'm talking about goes in after like the first couple frosts and then it stays in the ground all winter and then it comes up in the spring and then you harvest it. I don't remember which month you harvested. Maybe July, June or July. I think that sounds right. But we had been growing this garlic probably the last three years, you know, trying to get more and then you just keep planting more every year. But there was something that was so satisfying about that specific day and it felt so good. Um, and there's plenty of other stories I have about doing yard work around this house, whether it's going up and trying to saw off like some of these dead limbs from these trees that I have in the backyard. Um, the raspberry raspberry bushes that we had, my dad transplanted like three or four raspberries from his raspberry. I don't know what you call it. Chunk of raspberries, I guess. There's probably like a specific name. No, I think that's the correct term. That is the correct term. Okay, you heard it from Michael. <laughs> so we got our first raspberries. I think they've been over there growing for like the last three years. But there's something, there is something that is incredibly satisfying about that to, to work the earth. And to grow, and even what you said, like, we don't know how to take care of the soil. We don't know all of the tips and tricks, but we do know some things. We have a composter out there, so we're getting better at it. But there is something that's so satisfying about learning and taking these types of steps that is so invigorating. So at the time of this recording, this is like the fall of 2020, so the world might be ending, like, basically any day. (laughs) The end might come. That's how this year has been. Um, But... Even with all the difficult things that are going on in the world, there's something about those little things that help get me out of maybe the anxiety and the fear that's around us in our in our circumstances, in our world, in our culture. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that's all I want to say about that. But what what type of story do you have along those lines? No, I like it, and uh, um, just hearing you talk about like the plants and everything, that's, yeah, like the earth you know like working in that soil like my wife's instagram is good tilled earth and that's oh, from that's lord of the rings fantastic. so i was like yes, yes. from so, lord of the rings yes <laughs> so um you know my the first thing that popped in my head and it's it's not a hunting or uh outdoors thing um it's more of an adventure thing my wife and i i told her before we had children i go pick a place on earth that you want to go to 
before we start having kids because, you know, if we conceive, things are going to change and we can't do anything. You yeah, know, major t- tongue change. in cheek, you know. Yes. Um, I was like, all right, I want to go to Ireland. And I was like, okay. So we, you know, saved all our pennies and we, we got there. And, and those who don't know who, what Ireland's like, you drive on the other side of the road, uh, in the other side of the car, and you, it's stick shift. And uh, when you are shifting, you shift, you shift with your left hand because you're sitting on the other, you know, the, in the other seat. So it's super weird. And I remember when we first got our rental car, uh, I was telling my wife, like, I, I mean, I was already having dreams about, like, getting in the crashes because it was just my brain just kept running dry runs in my head, like, what's going to happen? So we pull into a gas station after already driving through um, a restricted zone in the airport because I didn't know where I was going because I can't read at Irish. the time. I, well, I mean, it's like the Irish indications for, like, go this way. I was like, yeah. I don't know. And <laughs> we pull into this gas station, and we, and we were like, we're both, like, stressed. And I yeah. was like... And it was like, it was such a pivotal moment, like, especially for a marriage. I was like, she's like, well, we can just stay in, in Dublin and, and we can just have fun here. And I was like, and hearing her say that, like, it, it grieved me to a point. I was like, it felt like I, cause I was a driver. Yeah. It was like, cause I was so nervous about it and scared. And I was like, I am not going to withhold an experience for my wife. I was like, I want her to enjoy that. This is for her. Like it's for yeah. us, you know, but I was like, this is like, I love this woman. She's going to gave me kids hopefully. And yeah. she did. And I was like, I'm going to push through this. Yeah. And it was like conqueror's mindset. I was like, I don't care what happens. And you know what? Fun fact. I got into a car accident the next day. Someone rear-ended me. Oh, no way. Yeah. And it wasn't my fault, but that was like my a fear is like, I had to pay out of pocket in euros. But anyway, hmm. uh, by God's grace, we drove the entire Island of Ireland, like from all the way to Cork to Galway to Northern Ireland, all the way back oh down to Dublin. And we, we did it all. And it was 10 days. And I was like that for me, that was like, that adventure was like, I'm going to push through any fear. Cause I mean, there's, there's no berms on the side of those roads. It's just, I think you've been to Scotland, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you know, there's like those, those walls. It's like, there's zero room for error. Yes. You're, you're liable to take off a, a mirror, a mirror easily. at any point. Yep. So for me, that was like a really big pushing through pivotal point mentally. So and if you had if you had given up, I would all regret of it. those experiences that you got to have because you didn't give up. There's definitely like what what are those sayings like? If it's if it nothing worth having costs you nothing. There's probably some phrase out there like that, right? But I like I like how you said it because it's it's for me. I'm I'm in a good way haunted by my legacy, mm-hmm. and that's what drives me towards like being a better man every day and sanctification. And, um, yeah, if what I leave behind is basically all anyone's ever going to care about. And I want people to know like, Oh yeah. Like I remember like, like I can imagine my daughter in my head is how I played out. Like, yeah, dad took mom to Ireland and he was scared and whatever. And just, I don't want, I don't want to be remembered for being afraid of something. I want to be like, yeah, he was afraid and he let everyone know. I mean, everyone's going to know this now. And it's like, but he still pushed her you know, yeah. anyway. So that's just that's so that's so important. That's a good place to start wrapping it up. So what I'm going to ask you to do now is we are definitely at time, and then a little bit of some. I want to I want to get uh, maybe any last thoughts that you want to tell people out there. Anything at all? Fundamentally, just go outside. We are not outside nearly enough. You, you become more in touch with the creator and. 
creation, which is just at, it's at our core. So whether it's hunting, fishing, going on a walk, hiking, I don't care, foraging, go foraging, go get a book, download the app, picture this, and just start being in nature. And then just learning how to identify and connecting with it. That's my ultimate hope for anyone listening to this podcast. For me, being on this specific episode is what they would take away. Just go outside, bare minimum. (laughs) Very good. (laughs) Michael Signorachi, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Thanks for coming to Lancelot's Roundtable, sir. Looking forward to the next time that we have you on. Love it, yeah. Yep. Thanks, folks. Me again. You may have noticed when I brought up the Joe Rogan podcast, I mentioned a name, Bertrand Russell. I meant to name Russell Brand. Bertrand Russell is a philosopher I had just learned about. The Joe Rogan interview I referenced was with Russell Brand, the British comedian, actor, and podcaster. Thanks for letting me set the record straight, and thanks for listening.